again. This is uh, Rick Mercer, and we have another episode of Garner Station Podcast. Uh, we are we're here today at uh, at Full Bloom uh, Cafe on on Main Street. Um, a great location to hang out, and we are hanging out today with N- Nicole and C.J. Morgan, and uh, they're they're uh, the driving force behind the Gifted Arts, a, a nonprofit located right here uh, downtown, just down the down the few doors down. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk about that today and, and about a few other things. Get, continue on our, our theme um, that we've been exploring various ways about the arts, the performing arts, and visual arts for that matter, and uh, why they're important to the community and, and how they're really important in helping to develop um, young people and their identities, their, their confidence, and, and so on. So um, let, let's, get, let's get into it. And let's um, ask you all both to you know, share with folks your, your backgrounds. Um, your professional backgrounds, your educational backgrounds, and, and, and how we, you know, how you wind up with the, with the gifted arts. All right. Kick it off? I'll kick it off. <laughs> All right. Um, so educational background, um, I have a, a bachelor's degree in psychology, and I went to school um, after that and got a master's in counseling education. Uh, since that time, I uh, have been a counselor in Wake County uh, Schools, actually at East Garner. So I've been there for 12 years. Um, and so um, that's what I've been doing professionally. Um, outside of that um, and through that process, I've always uh, kind of worked with students um, in after school or summer camp programming. Um, so uh, I worked, did a, lot, did a lot of work with the YMCA, so kind of did that all throughout, um, all throughout school. So mm-hmm. that's me. Yeah, my um, went to undergrad. I was on the pre-law track, but had a change of events. So I was a sociologist in undergrad, and then got my master's of community education leadership um, back home, and sort of been a nonprofit industry professional, so to speak. Since then, I've done some work with a national ed reform, worked with the YMCA, uh, did AmeriCorps for a couple of years. So I was able to uh, do some teaching in the Extended Learning Day in uh, Charlotte-Mecklenburg and DPS. And then, of course, during that time, I went on to become a talent acquisition consultant and recruiter. And that was also with a nonprofit. And that overlapped with when CJ and I went on to found the Gifted Arts. And so for the last three years, have been serving in the leadership capacity for our organization full time. Um, And let's talk about the origins of the Gifted Arts. You said it's about three years old now? Three years. We got a couple of birthdays. I feel like we were founded in 2011, got our nonprofit charter in 2013, but we said, okay, this thing is picking up momentum. So in 2016, a year after being married, we decided that one of us needed to take on this role of being the face and hit the pavement. And that happened in 2016, where I left my career position as a recruiter. Um, so I guess it depends on what phase you consider. But in this full capacity, it's been three years. And that's when we found home in downtown Garner as well. And can you, can you describe the Gifted Arts for, for folks who might not know anything about it? So the Gifted Arts is um, a performing arts, um, just, and, and we're expanding to all arts uh, organization. Uh, we use uh, the arts as a vehicle to build um, skills, to develop uh, confidence. Um, we're looking at workforce development. We're looking at um, you know, character development. We're looking at confidence building, um, career uh, what do you want to do with your life? Um, so it, it, it takes all those things and it wraps it up um, into the performance package. So that's what the Gifted Arts is for third grade to 12th grade students. That's quite a range. I mean, third grade, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got a, what, I've got a third grader and an eighth grader. And, and you know, the, of course, obviously the developmental range between them is, is pretty, pretty, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty big. Pretty big. Yeah. How do you... Um, you know, how do you manage that? How do you, how do you provide relevant um, opportunities to, to kids within that, that range? That's totally fair. Uh, and that's an, an assessment that we made a couple of years ago. And like, okay, because at one point, all the students were in one academy program. Um, as we started to grow and seek opportunities for additional funding and speak to people in the arts community, we were getting insight about well, we knew that developmentally children were at different places in the third grade as they, than they are in the high school program, but it was our capacity to keep them together at the time. So we've since expanded to now offering a junior academy program where they meet at a separate time, rising third through fifth grade, 
Core Academy started this year separately, so that's our middle school, sixth through eighth grade weeknights at the studio. Mm -hmm. And then high school is our senior academy meet Saturdays as well later on in the afternoon. So that's how we have the opportunity to offer a similar experience, but at an age appropriate level. Right. We do find that it is, um, it has been beneficial for them all to kind of be together. Um, there's a lot of mentorship that kind of happens, but uh, for the most part, um, you know, that's separate. We are able to, to uh, develop them at their, at their level. Wait for Amtrak. Good old ambient background. <laughs> yeah. We are truly here in downtown Garner. I was actually going to take my braces off. I'm aware they might be making a little bit of noise. And you're um, so you're a counselor at the middle school level. Yes. So is have you always worked with middle school kids, or have you like, professionally in the school system? Have you worked with different age? Uh, in students? the school system, I've always worked with middle school. Um, I came in sixth grade, and then at, after that first year, I was eighth grade counselor. Um, after that, so um, but. Outside of that, I've worked with all all ages from um, you know kindergarten all the way up to to high school. It must be it must be you know it must be extremely hard to work with uh, middle school students. That was coming. And tip my cap to you. <laughs> middle school is, is a difficult is a difficult age. Uh, yeah. So you have to come with a different. Uh, the mentality of all right. At one point, I'm going to deal with, you know, the 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 mindset of a child, and then and, and then, you know, maybe two minutes later, you'll deal with someone that's moving into that. Um, I want to, you know, teenage or headed to high school. So you have to navigate that yeah. um, all the time. So yeah, it's a it's a little. And in the same person, I have yes. a 13 year old. You see. <laughs> That's what one moment is like there's still the little girl the next moment it's like you know who's this who are who's you this teenager, right. who's this 25 year old <laughs> right exactly I'm sure you deal with that all the time all the time we get, we get a lot of jokes but I'm like I think from an educational and nonprofit standpoint a lot of there's a lot of focus coming to the middle grades. We get that you all are crazy or tip hats off to you all for being brave. Um, but we also find that there's a lot of data that shows what's happening with that middle group and what you can figure out in terms of what is their uh, trajectory in middle and high school at the sixth grade, you know, based on certain test scores or hormonally, they're like trying to figure some things out so they might be causing an issue. Like, there is that opportunity, which is what I think we do well through the gifted, where you can offer families or guardians that additional support because we all know we're understanding what it takes to raise a middle schooler that we can offer through our agency. Because um, we're learning it, it certainly takes a village, you know, and helping give a middle schooler a place to channel that energy and then that self-discovery, like who am I, where am I trying to be, who, where am I trying to go? Um, we are, we're able to provide that nurturing space to do that. Okay, I didn't, I, I mean, I don't know so much about that part of what y'all do. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about the, the you like the support you can give the parents or guardians about you know with their their middle school middle schoolers people who are finding out who they are so i can um you know just came from a training where we were talking about um you know anxiety suicide um self-harm and the numbers are alarming especially in middle school particularly seventh grade mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of uh, data out there that is showing that that transitional period in sixth seventh and eighth um, is is making uh, our students very vulnerable. Um, so, you know, we've kind of, since st being in the middle school, a lot of the kids that we are now high schoolers come came from that, that, same, uh, that same place. So I think that we, uh, that the gifted is um, a tool that is allowing that to, to help with a lot of those issues. Um, so that is stuff that happens outside of school that parents might be dealing with at home. Um, and we are that support system, we call ourselves the village, um, to help to reinforce the, all of the things that are being taught at home. Uh, but we're here to also to reinforce that a lot of times as, you know, um, as kids. And, uh, you know, we don't necessarily, we hear what the parents are saying. Mm. Um, but when someone else says it, it's like, oh, that makes perfect sense. So it's kind of like um, all saying the same message um, and reinforcing and supporting that child to get through the, those times that are hard so that they can go forth and, and do what they need to do.
And when you're doing it in an environment where the child is comfortable, their favorite songs playing in the background, or you know their friends are a few feet away, um, it kind of makes it even more accessible and not that stern parent teachable moment. But it's happening in a you know, a fun and nurturing environment where they think they can receive it better. And I mean, you're doing it in a performing arts environment, so things that might lead to opioid addiction or suicide, right. we have, you know, where, or where young people might feel isolated, you're putting them in an arts environment where it takes a collective effort to put on a production, or if you're doing a group dance, teaching them how to work together, or where, in our case, we have small group sizes, so they're able to build relationships and not feel like they're alone. A lot of kids are coming to our program um, for many different situations, whether they're being bullied at school, and it's like, we're like, you're going to respect your peers, and this is how we expect you all to engage with one another, and here's how this then translates back into your relationships at home, in the school, and in life, um, but why it's also helpful and how it can create a beautiful masterpiece on stage when you can engage with your peers and support one another. Um, and I think that's a lot of the value with the arts, is those soft skills, interpersonal skill development. Um, and offering, in our case, we're making it very just culturally rich and accessible and engaging for young people. When they're spending more time in these structured classroom environments, they need these outlets, and we're, be, we're that place for our families and our students. Do you want to talk, what are the, what are the, the culturally rich uh, environments and opportunities that are available? Like, like mm -hmm. what do y'all do? What do we do with the arts? <laughs> Go ahead, you want so um, we take the a look at non-traditional, um, the non-traditional arts. I think that um, in various schools, the um, where they're deemed as fine arts, um, they're they're taken care of. They have the opportunity to um, go to a dance studio and learn uh, traditional types of dance. They're um, able to be in music class and um, and do those things. So what we want to do is. We want to grab those kids that um, may not understand that level. They might want uh, the, the entry level of. So it's like we will teach hip hop, and then from that we'll bring in uh, you know various different uh, you know uh, ballerinas or people that have um, gone on to do a lot of, of different styles of dance, and we expose them to that. So, um, but we have dance, we have fashion, uh, we have music, um, drama, and. Um, Am I missing anything? Step. Step. Yeah. Um, and so these are things that, you know, you might not see or you might not understand um, in other arenas that we are able to bring in, um, and, and through that expose our kids to all the other types of arts. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you find that that's, that's a good sort of entryway, entryway? It's a good way to sort of meet a lot of these kids where they are and then to bring them along, maybe expose them to other things or show, teach them what the connections are between different, different types of expression? Uh, honestly, I think that 50%, I, I want to say, of our students never was a part of any type of an arts program. Um, and so they, they, the first time that they get involved in arts is with us. Um, and then they go on to do um, you know, other types Amazing of disciplines. Amazing things, yeah. Um, and what we do is we value all disciplines. We don't exclude um, because you know, there's, there's training that happens within a school, but we also know there's training that happens without, outside of a school, and they're both important. Um, in fact, people go to school to, to learn about people that were trained without any education. Uh, so we think that arts is, is for everyone. It is open to everyone. And the message that we push is that you can, you can go in and learn this um, you know, hip-hop style, which is deemed a street style of dance. Um, but if you could take that and then you go and you take uh, technique classes in other, uh, in other uh, genres of dance, then you become even a, you know, a, a better performer. Um, so it's opening yourself up to what you might not have um, thought about beforehand. So. Definitely. Absolutely. I think what's exciting, thinking about your great question and what um, CJ was just saying is, yes, that introductory level, students coming in having no arts experience, and in our model, because uh, we were actually just going through it last Saturday where CJ wrote an original play and we're putting that on in, in January, and it's like, yes, our kids love to dance, you all seen them dance, they love to model, um, but that vulnerability that comes with understanding acting and what it takes on the, you know, the character development component and um, learning lines and reciting them in front of your peers and tone, so many things that they have to be mindful of. They're like, you know, you turn on a song, they'll bust out an account, no problem. Getting them to audition for these roles last Saturday, 
different challenge. I'm like, who are these the same children? But we're we're telling them like, imagine, we're helping make that direct connection. If you can do this, then you can do this. And in acting is literacy, reading comprehension, how you can apply that to school. And it's like if you're helping young people realize, oh, I don't know, I I don't just have to dance, but I can act. And then I don't really think I can sing, but I'm gonna try to be a part of this chorus. It's, helping them make that connection that, imagine if you take that same um, explorative process in school. Like, I don't really like history, I prefer math, but what happens if I try to actually invest in history? Or, I mean, just different subject patterns. And so there's the actual journey that they go on, and then we've just become really intentional about explicitly saying what we're saying to you right now. Like, so they understand that there is a direct connection and that there's purpose. I think a lot of times students spend a lot of time in school and they're just like, why do I have to learn this? They're not getting that rationale. It can be frustrating to explain every time to a child why this is important, but having a baby now, I even understand like why it's important to talk a child through it. And it's curiosity. So helping to encourage the curiosity um, is, I mean, there's so many skills and opportunities that come from that, and we're seeing it, and our kids can t replay that back to you. If you interviewed one of them right now, they'd be able to say, being in the gifted arts has done this, and not because we've said say this, it's because right. it's what they're experiencing now. Right. Absolutely. How, how, do the, um, how, how do these young people come to the gifted arts? Uh, do, you, do you work with the schools to identify kids who might benefit from it? Do, do all the, the young people just come to you, self-select? How's that work? Um, so we, it's, it's a lot of recruiting um, that has to happen. And if you think about, um, if, you, it's, if you see our students on stage, you know, like, like what Nicole just said, like you'll see you know, confident performers because they've been trained, we've been preparing them for that. Um, in, but what you don't see, the behind the scenes of building up to that, is all of the moments where, you know, they're going through the vulnerability, they're going through the confidence building. Um, so, and that's hard to sell uh, to the masses because you don't, you just see the end, the end product. Uh, so we'll get a couple of students that come in that are looking for that performance um, development. Um, but a lot of our students come to us because they're just looking to build that confidence. Mm -hmm. And it's hard, if I'm a person that is looking to build confidence, I may not elect to be a part of a program where I see confident kids already uh, because I don't know, you know, what they went through. Um, so we have to, we talk to parents. We've been at um, school open houses and we have um, talking to, to families and to students to kind of let them know all of it all that we do um, so that we can kind of start to bring in, um, you know, more students. But we found that the kids that are, that come to our program, they, they in some way or another have formed a relationship with us. Um, and those are the kids that, that we get. I think that everyone should want to be a part of the gifted arts, um, but um, it's really having to um, break down what it is that we're about and what we do so people can really, you know, grasp all of the different um, things that are going on. So. You know, I, it, that's a, it's great. With uh, I hear what you're saying about, um, you know, someone might come and see a performance that that the gifted gifted arts is is giving or participating in, and say, "Wow, these these brilliant, confident kids," but they don't see, you know, the journey. <laughs> the meltdowns, right? the crying, <laughs> tears. The... They don't see the journey, right. and um, I mean, that just seems to be the, the really essential part about the performing arts mm -hmm. and and maybe well I don't mean to preach but let me let me try preach, to get to right? a question um, <laughs> so do you feel like we as a society maybe undervalue that aspect of the performing arts is you know we we love to see people sing and do drama and dance and do these other things but um, the important thing is even if you're not going to go on to do these things professionally right. the way that journey it can take you on as a young person or even an adult if you choose to right. start doing some of this stuff. Right. Absolutely. I think that's, that's what, what that was a question. Yeah, no, I heard the question in there. Yes, yes absolutely. Um, I think they're wildly undervalued, especially those that are deemed non traditional or, you know, that fit into that mold of the fine art, which is something that we are constantly working to navigate. But that's why the frustration like boils when, you know, I understand budgets are budgets, but when schools have to cut programs, it's the art programs that typically go, which are the ones, you know, where attendance is up with those programs. That's where kids are going, that's what might be what brings them to school, excited and motivated. And so when those are eliminated, that's also a need when we were founded uh, eight years ago now, we were coming in like, okay, 
we don't want to replace anything that the school is doing if you do have arts program, but we want to help supplement, or if you don't have access because of funding right now, how can we enhance or bring these opportunities and make them available? Um, for example, with East Garner, they are a magnet school. They have a performing arts component, um, but again, we're offering a different outlet, and we're focusing a lot on social emotional learning and development, um, but being able to offer those artistic alternatives to reach all students is really important. Um, the soft skills, the vulnerability, all the things. I was a recruiter, so I know I have a good sense of like what businesses are looking for when they're looking to hire young folks. And then the ones that are coming up now, I mean, anything from being able to communicate, being able to work on a team, these are all things that are nurtured in the arts um, and are taken for granted and are not as strong in the generations coming up because of things like Technology. tech and media more yeah. so specifically. You, you don't have to hang out and do your own thing by yourself in isolation. Exactly, and, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I think we'll, it would behoove us as a society to make sure that the investment, there's an investment increase um, in the arts and at all levels. Um, I think it's difficult for us because we don't, um, though we have students that are going on and doing um, some really uh, phenomenal things in the arts, um, we're not saying that you come to us and you're going to go and you know do these things because uh, the important part for us is to build that child, to help them to connect to who they are and where they want to go, where, wherever that may you know may lead them. Um, and I think that that is there's that concrete. Oh, you're not gonna you know turn my child into um, you know a fashion model. Or you know they're not gonna you know head to what you know fill in the blank um, you know then that that kind of makes it very uh, confusing because it is building confidence and some people may believe that you can build confidence um, anywhere and, and through anything and, I, and why pay for a program when you can do this other thing um, so yes I think it's definitely undervalued and I think that what arts can do for someone. Um, it's hard. It's hard for us to to break it down. All of the different things that are happening in a moment, or you know, throughout a uh, developing to get to a performance, we could talk for hours about all the nuances of what we do that's intentional to build skills that are going to be something that they'll have throughout their entire lives. But um, you know, yes, it's very much um, undervalued as a as a society. When in culturally, it's through everything. Yeah. Right. I mean, all the shows are popping up, you know, The Voice, American Idol. Like, we enjoy being entertained, but the level of investment um, happening maybe at the community level, it's not always as um, robust. And when it is, I think it's pretty selective in terms of, like, where it, that investment is going. Um, Do you... Uh, we don't have to go into to great detail, detail if you don't want to, but what, like, what's your, your funding model? Do you, do you get grants? Do you pursue grants? Um, is, that, is that a challenge? I'm sure it is. No. But. Yes, Rick, is a challenge, yeah. Uh, well, the, the, we've, we've actually um, we've received a couple of grants um, that, um, I don't know if you can rattle them off. And, you know, well, or, no, not necessarily by name, but I mean, a few years ago, when we first started, we were very much heavy on the earned income side. Any right. money that we brought in, it was through our productions. Anything we did was a fundraiser, so to speak. Dollar In was coming right back into program. When three years ago, when we made the commitment to say, we're going to evolve this to a full-fledged organization, we were like, all right, we need some more funding help. Or to keep the cost low for families, we needed to supplement that. And that's when we started to quite successfully start applying for grant funding um, through community foundations here locally. Um, focus, of course, on individual giving, which is our developmental area. Um, and then we do have a tuition, a family tuition rate, um, which is sometimes offset again by grant funding for families that need assistance. And we're just now starting to step into territory around having conversations with potential corporate funders. We're very select, and that more so might be focused on sponsoring events. So like the, the annual fashion show production or our, our play coming up so that we can keep that mission low to make it accessible to more families and so that we can actually, those are fundraisers for us. Right. So we're almost breaking even, so it's, it's exciting for the community, but it doesn't meet the financial goal that's tied to that production. So we're looking for more help. Uh, and that's an entirely, there's a larger conversation I think to be had about that as being leaders of color of a nonprofit arts agency um, 
around equity and distribution of resources and funding, but we are doing our best um, to try to keep a balanced ratio around generating funds for that. But I, as you can assume, it is, it is challenging. Um, is that something you want to talk about, about the equity, the equity side of it? Oh, you go in there, Rick? <laughs> oh, man. It is, I mean, I mean it's not uh, to, yes. It's, <laughs> it's, it's difficult. We, when you know that there is a, a difference between minority leaders and, um, you know, leaders that are, that are not minorities, there's definitely, we are few and uh, far between. Um, and we are understanding, you know, how difficult it is um, because we're having to build everything. Uh, we're having to, you know, find, I, let's say Garner, for example. You know, we are n n not necessarily from Garner. Um, and because Garner is, you know, very prideful about who they are, you know, you have to build this level of trust within Garner uh, for Garner to be like, oh, we will embrace you and support you. And Garner has embraced us, um, but, you know, there's still, there, there is an extra level of, of support um, that we could get that we're still working, you know, um, to get in certain areas. So I think that there, is, there are things that are happening that people, that we don't know are happening or that we don't under, like, you're, it's not necessarily a, I don't want to fund you or, or it is, I'm, I'm going to fund this other entity instead, or I'm going to fund you know someone I know or uh, that I've already connected with. I think that breaking all of these different barriers, and then on top of that, trying to sell that we're building confidence, you know, confidence, you know confident kids. It's, it's like what does that seems a little abstract? It's well, not as tangible yeah. as like housing or poverty, or we talk about water, like clothing, right. things that people. It's more accessible, and it's like okay, I can I can put a dollar to that. Um, but yeah, the idea of building a confident child, it's like, why is that important? You and I, and we understand how that translates into building strong, confident young leaders, possibly the next entrepreneurs or the innovative researchers of the future. Um, that doesn't come from just anywhere. And uh, a lot of the students and communities that we're working with, it's even more difficult because of just battles around underserved communities, low-performing schools that they're associated with. Um, so no, no reason of no fault of their own. Um, so it's a lot of, it's a, it's a lot of work. Um, there's a disproportionate representation of uh, leaders of color running nonprofits, and then subsequently the, the funding resources that are made available to those agencies, and that's a larger conversation happening in the triangle. And there are funders who are being intentional. I just came from a meeting who are trying to we start the conversation, but it's yeah. an it's a mindset shift, and it gets really political. Even though there's supposed to be that <laughs> separation, yeah. it's I mean it's it's a larger systemic issue. Um, so what we try to focus on again is the mission, the impact that we're having with the young people, how we're transforming lives and communities, and that that is starting. It is resonating, but we're also realizing recently that our sh our role is going to shift in terms of advocacy. We're direct service people. We're in the work. We're serving. We're creating the programs and we're running them. Um, but we're realizing, in order to make greater change, is being an advocate for arts programs and and also being an advocate and speaking loud, more loud about um, the disparities and obstacles that we're facing as leaders of color running an organization serving majority students of color. Um, that's our everyday challenge on top of what we're trying to do with right, middle school students. Right, yeah. <laughs> we are fighting all, all angles at the same time. Are there, have, have there been mentors that, that you've looked to to help you with, with this? Uh, any, any models or mentors? or? Absolutely. I think that's how I've, we have been able to survive and then me as a leader have been able to sustain uh, what is my uh, true just day-to-day -day, uh, challenges and yet opportunities is I've identified fellow uh, mentors who are in running nonprofits, um, both leaders of color and non. Um, I went to a series of meetings last week in, in Durham where the, it's even more prevalent, just trying to have the conversation of like, what, what is your success story? What are your, some of your best practices? But like we're students and learners by nature. Uh, we're in, you know, being educators. Um, and we've, what I love about us is that we've never been afraid to do the work. It's not for lack of work ethic at all. Um, it's just 
finding the inroads and making the connection. So yes, doing the research, looking at national frameworks. We've looked at Castle Institute, uh, which they're doing a lot of work on social emotional learning. But now even the conversation of looking at social justice models and prospective funders, because we're starting to do advocacy work. Or uh, if you break it down, it's a component of the work that we're doing with young people, teaching them how to be a voice in a system or in places that aren't necessarily designed for them to succeed. Uh, so while we're modeling that in our leadership, we're also doing that for our young people. So there are new frames that we're looking into. Um, and now just having honest conversations with people about this is a challenge for me. What is your advice? How did you dot, dot, dot? Or can you get me connected to this resource? And that was my previous meeting. Like, who can I speak to? And now I might have a coach in a few weeks because of that reach out. Um, because we're not the first ones to do it, but uh, finding those models of success with similar uh, profiles as us is, can be challenging. Well, let's turn to, um, let, let's turn to some of the events that the Gifted mm -hmm. Arts has throughout the year, mm -hmm. because you did mention them a bit earlier, but yes. we haven't really discussed them in any yeah. detail. So um, we were, the. We started with doing productions. We call them productions. They're plays that have, um, you know, dance and all that through it. Um, so we're we're actually um, getting back to that. Um, I wrote an original. Um, it's a it's, it's a three part um, that we're all going to do in in one production that that's going to be happening in January. So uh, that's one of the uh, bigger events that I'm, we're excited about because we're bringing that mm -hmm. uh, that acting that theater piece back. Um, we, of course, have our fashion show. Um, that's our culminating event at the end of the year um, that the kids are working all the way from uh, once they get into the season to the end of the year to be a part of. Um, we also have a couple of smaller, not really smaller things, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a showcase um, that'll be uh, performances that, of course, we've designed and put together, but um, we're also opening up the kids to create their own so they'll be able to showcase things that they've put together and taught themselves or taught, you know, uh, maybe the seniors teach the younger group. So um, that's another event that, we, that we'll have. Um, so those are, those are the bigger yeah. um, events that we have throughout the year. Yep, those in-house. And then, of course, that's in addition to the events that we commit to with the town. So we right, intend right. to participate again in, like, the annual showcase that talent at the Garden Performing Arts Center, which is always a fun one for us. Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King Showcase, which happens in January. The committee's reached out to us to Good. perform again. Um, so yeah, we stay booked, right? <laughs> and I understand one of you may be joining us for the Christmas parade as a, uh, a co-host. Oh, you know, I might have been ringing back to do that. No, it was an exciting time. It was fun. I took a year off with the baby, but I appreciate the invite. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, growing and learning in a lot of areas, but I'm finding that it's actually quite fun. Yeah. And we have, we've also mentioned, I think, in passing the after-school program at mm -hmm. East Garner Magnet Middle, but mm -hmm. uh, do you want to talk in a little more detail about that? So um, we've connected with the principal um, at East Garner. That's the a school outside that, that, I am, um, that I'm working at. And the premise is that when you have a school with students um, that a middle school this already got its you know um, things that are going on. Um, but you also have a school that needs uh, to get a bump in performance when it comes to academics. Teachers are there to teach, but it's hard as a teacher. It's hard for a teacher to to teach when you have to go through other things that have to happen first. So um, what we are um, looking to do at East Garner is. <clears throat> to bring in that social emotional learning, to be able to build them, to be able to uh, get to that confidence, hold them accountable, so that when they go in the classroom, they're ready, supported for the teacher to then uh, to teach. So um, we have been given um, the the principal has told us, uh, Jimmy Spasado said, we can have as many kids as <laughs> we want. Our goal is 150 students. Uh, we're right now we're about at um, 80, 87 students. Um, that we're that we're bringing in uh, Monday through Thursday, um, and they're getting to learn um, music production, uh, dance and step, fashion, uh, where they're creating and styling, sewing, sewing, sewing uh, and theater, um, the all the aspects of that. So mm -hmm. it is uh, kids that 
uh, that and that love it and enjoy it, and they're being uh, we're bringing them in to 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 give them that performance that art element as well as academically mm-hmm. we're looking at their grades we're making sure that they're um, on target with you know being proficient and just you know excelling um, at their their highest level throughout the year. How do you manage with eighty some <laughs> students and maybe more? Remember that comment? Uh, We have been fortunate through this partnership, which we hope is the model for all of our partnerships coming up, is for the principal to have allocated funding that allows for first shift teachers, so teachers that our kids get to see during the school day, to stay for a few more hours and support in these artistic development and academic coaching areas. Because CJ and I and Tish were only the three of us. Um, So I think the team in full is maybe close to a dozen. and so we're able to get that smaller ratio, which is exciting. Um, and then we, I mean, we're pros. We've been working with students for a long time. We get them in the classroom. We teach, we're doing some culture, you know, doing some call and responses. And I mean, once you start to build those relationships and break down barriers with students, managing 150 kids is not as scary as one would think, um, especially if your work's like, what? Um, particularly when, when, you, when you're making that connection, you have a fun, relevant, and engaging space. You're... This is the space where I think, and this was a part of my pitch, I think, at day one on the teacher's training, like, a lot of teachers are coming into the workforce because they're passionate about educating young people. Right. They, the love, they love learning, and they want the young people to be excited, but I also feel like at a base level, they want students to be them be- their best selves, and they care, and I believe, about each child, and they don't have the opportunity to take the time to say, what's going on at home? Are you eating? Are you be, like, were you able to do your homework? Okay, you weren't able to do, like there are just so many other elements that our young people are bringing to, like if you say baggage, like bringing with them to the classroom that eliminate their ability to be able to focus and learn. And this is allowing the teachers a space to be able to engage more one-on-one and get to know the child so that when they come back the next day or a few weeks from now, they've deepened that connection and they have a, a different understanding. So they might differentiate their teaching or they might not give the child a pass, but they might be a bit more lenient than to send them to ISS because that's not the way to go either. You know, so. I think that's what's exciting about our program is we said we're coming in not to take over, not because you guys are doing anything wrong, but because we just want to be a collaborator. We want to build capacity because we know what it means to not have full capacity. So here we are offering ourselves as a resource. You can give back to those things that you love um, and and accomplish what it is that you set out to do as a teacher, which is help young people learn. I was the one story, um, one one year, uh, when, for eighth grade, I asked um, probably 75% of the students that came in the door, I just said, hey, tell me something positive about yourself. And it was a struggle for about 90% of the students to just say one positive thing um, about themselves. Um, and this is all the students, all demographics, every light. So there, it, was, it was common with, with all of them. And I think that's uh, definitely gives you a snapshot of you just middle school in general across the nation, um, and then you add to it the different places or different, um, uh, you know, other types of things. You add, you add to that, um, and what we're able to do is now, you know, like build. You, I was able to do this, and so that's that's a positive thing about myself, mm-hmm. um, being able to really have them to focus on themselves and their growth and their development and what makes them special and what their passion and purpose is. So now you take that and you give that to a student, and then I can they, they can now sit in a room um, and take risk, because education, um, you know, being able to excel is about being able to accept failure and take risk. Um, and, and if you no, know, if I'm not, I'm not able to do that, then I can't move from where I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I know one of both of you said that in the article we that 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 WRAL did too about part of a, a big piece of what the young people who come to you need to learn or, or do learn is that sometimes you get up, you take risk and you fail and that's how you learn and that's how you move forward. Right. And that it's not, yeah, it's not the end all be all. It's through, so many people have been quoted saying in so many different ways, but it's through the failure in which you learn. And, right. you know, it's just, you know, Oprah said it's not that you know, you fail and that's the end of it. It's just, you know, the universe or whatever pointing you in a different direction. Um, And I I feel like the difference between the child that succeeds and the child that doesn't is the access to opportunities. And so when we have the chance to offer these unique experiences for young people to fail and discover, 
um, and identify things about themselves that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise, that is gold. And I feel like if, if at minimum we can do that, um, then we're already helping to be a catalyst for change in terms of, as the industry was saying, like leveling the playing field, but making, you know, success in life um, a thing, you know, something that our students can imagine for themselves. But you have to make those spaces and opportunities available or else it, it, it's just that growth doesn't happen. Um, and then at that point, it's, I don't blame, I don't ever blame the children, right? It's the, it's the systems, the institutions, the people that are responsible for them. And it's, I feel like it's our job and anyone can do it. Like that's what we loved about you all coming to our studio back in the summer. It's just, I didn't know, Cedra loves videography every day. Oh, can we take out the cameras? Can we take out the, we wouldn't have known that she would have loved videography. You know, uh, we knew that she, we were just, she was a young person that we were just working on with building her confidence who came to us, who blatantly said, I've only been in the country for a couple of years. My, my mom and I don't have a lot of, don't have any family locally. We need, I need a space to build relationships, but also to grow. And I mean, she's just continued to excel and demonstrate immense amounts of leadership, but is finding all these different things that she loves. Um, and she's not even at a place where she necessarily believes that she's perfect at it and she has places to grow. But I mean, giving them the tools and the resources to, to do so, fail or succeed safely right. in a nurturing environment, oh my God. I, I, I tell people, I give the, the analogy of if you're trying to build muscle, mm. the muscle only starts to build after you've reached muscle failure. So you mm. have to make the muscle fail for the muscle to know, okay, so you want to lift more? <laughs> so then it, then it you know, uh, triggers the, the response where your body then builds more muscle. Uh, so, but if you never, you know, if you, if you never work that or never try that, then, you know, you actually have muscle atrophy because either you're building muscle or you're losing muscle all throughout the day. So just like uh, with the confidence and with being able to do things, either you're gaining it or you're losing it. So you have to get to that point where you hit that failure for you to then gain more. So uh, we know that we had failing is building us to get to the success because you need to need to grow. So that's great. I have to use that. Right. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you you probably have a lot of stories like this, but uh, you know, can you think of what's some of the feedback you get from some of the um, young people who have been through in the gifted arts, mm -hmm. maybe still are in the gifted mm -hmm. arts, or have been through the program or some programs, and then also what you know feedback you get from parents, guardians. I mean, and honestly, <laughs> there's uh, we don't there's not a lack of stories that we have um, because when you are intentional, when we are intentional about what we're doing, you see growth happen, um, and uh, it it happens sometimes quickly, sometimes it takes time. Um, it's really about how much you invest in it, how much you're engaged in the work um, that we're offering. But um, we've, we've had, uh, the, the story that we tell now is of one student that came to us um, through our pilot after school program that we had last year um, that wasn't meeting four days a week. It was only meeting on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, it, it had, it was like, uh, it was me and, and, uh, and Tish and we were two people that were working. So it, was, it wasn't as robust as it is now. Um, and she came the first day and she absolutely hated it. Um, and I mean, like, she came, you know, she came back the second day and after the second day she was like, uh, you know, Mr. Morgan, I can't do this. I was like, it's not for me. I don't want it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And I was like, what? what I, I said, please just give us six weeks. If you give us six weeks um, and you still hate it after six weeks, then, um, you know, then you can, you can quit. I won't, I won't give you any, any problems. And she's still with us now from, from last year. And she's grown so much. Um, and, and she's able to talk about, now this is a student that was already, you know, academically doing well, like making, like making A's in the classroom that was still, you know, in need of that confidence boost yeah. and that confidence push and that family and support. Um, and so once she found it, she's still here, still doing academically well, but now you add to it the confidence to try new things and to go further. Um, and to advocate for herself and for others, and and that's you know one one story that I have. Yeah, a shift in her body language. I mean, this was someone who had extremely low self esteem and was just like talked about how she just thought she was the ugliest girl in the world, tall, thin, so it was like taller than her peers at her time, and it's just like what you're gorgeous, and not just from a physical, but like a just a 
personality, um, her attitude and demeanor, you know, just about life was spot on. Like when I met her, I was like, she's a superstar in the making. And now it's like, you see her on the dance floor in the studio on a Saturday and it's like hair, just mannerisms that demonstrate a growth in confidence where you come in meek and shy, eyes on the floor, not really willing to engage. And now you're like, oh, we're gonna audition for something, put me up. Or is now auditioning for a lead character in a play um, that we're doing in January. Or is coming back after high school, when she's in school every day, coming back to be mentors and junior staff at our after school program for the middle schoolers because that's how much the program helped her. And again, this is someone who's only been in our program for just under a year just now. Year. Yeah. Uh, so the transformation, like you said, it can happen almost instantaneously or it can happen over a course of many months and years. But we're pretty confident that if a student's been in our program after up until about two months, that's when, if they stay that long, then we've got them. Um, it's hard, you know, not to brag, but it's just, that's the power of the culture I think that we've built. Um, it's obviously what we live and breathe and what we believe in. And I believe students, you have children, you know, they know when you're being honest and when, you know, whether or not you care. And that's what they're looking for too. They're looking for people who truly care about them as a person. And that's one of our biggest goals is making sure that they know they have a community of caring adults. Um, in addition to all the other fun stuff that we offer. Two more stories real quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, one, one is uh, we had one student who um, is a male student. He, uh, uh, so the, he academically was, there was a struggle last year, um, but ended the year doing very well academically. This, uh, he, you know, is, is a dancer, but never performed in front of a group of people. Um, and, you know, we, we would have to pull drag. I mean, there were times like where backstage, <laughs> like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Um, but after, um, you know, after some time, you know, he was, he, you know, walked in the fashion show, mm -hmm. performed on, on the stage at the fashion show. In front of 300 people. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I mean, that's one. And then there's another one, um, which, which is Jeremiah who oh. kind of, you know, was a, is a really good performer, but the growth, the technique, the, um, you know, investing into other types of, yes. of dance and other types of art, um, and being um, on stage, you know, this summer with... Um, yes, he was performed. This is someone who would not speak. I always said Jeremiah doesn't talk a lot verbally, but he communicates beautifully through his art form, which is dance. Who then went on, after lots of nurturing and coaching, to then, it just so happens to have... Um, booked a gig with the North Carolina Theater Conservatory for the Bring It On musical that they just did this past summer with a speaking role, mind you. First time ever in a formal theater, you know, role. And again, Jeremiah, this might be his second year. Yeah. And now is coming from high school. And he had to learn how to cheer. And had to learn how to cheer. The this is the kid. He break dancer, pop lock, but he'll he'll hop in the ballet technique class. He learned, he went through the chair camp that was required for the musical. Uh, I taught like a majorette style of dance and he was at the studio on Saturday learning it. Like he just keeps an open mind um, and I, he just has a beautiful spirit. And then is now also coming back mentoring uh, the young people at East Garner, which is where he graduated from last year. And it's speaking and leading. Yeah. Sometimes it's still funny to hear him talk out loud because that's how much time he spent with us without really communicating. Right. So. And I think the parent... Um, we, we hear a lot of times about the parents coming to us and talking about how their kids are growing. We have one parent who talks about how her child, uh, because of the fashion show last year, her child is, I want to say, third, fourth grade, yeah, yeah, who walks into school, has a fashion walk into school and into her classroom every day. Um, and she has to, you know, play the right song before her to get out the car. Um, so, I mean, but yes, yeah, so that's not, in the, and, and if it's another time that, you know, we have, that, that, that they're having to prepare for something, they, they're bringing that level of, you know, uh, of excellence with them, or I'm going to, you know, perform uh, that, that level. So we hear that from the parents, um, as well as, you know, the parents seeking us out, which means more to us mm -hmm. when they need support. Yeah. Um, so when they are, when their family is going through, they're, they're letting us know um, this is what's going through, you know, go, we're, what we're going through, because they know that we're going to um, help them through whatever time um, that you know that when they when they're in need. So.
fills us fills our soul when you know it might be like oh, we get in the call at nine o'clock like such and such is acting up at home or whatever they're acting up in school and it's like I need you all on Saturday to talk to them about blah 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 and the kids knowing that they're gonna get that extra dose of reinfor positive reinforcement or redirection right. um, I think really helps from when we talk about from a communion and village standpoint like how do you support the child holistically which also branches out to the family right. uh, is really important but the comments where you get like parents crying, even if it's at our weekly showcases at the studio during summer camp, who's like, is that my child? I'm thinking about Tanya when she saw Trinity modeling and had makeup and put a skirt on, but like got in front of an audience and was just, you know, just shy and quiet. And it's just like, oh my God, that's my child. Or the surveys and you're just like, I didn't know my child could do that. Or I never thought I'd see her be able to do the, he or she do this thing. And it was like, and you know, it's like, great. It's like, all it took was da-da-da-da. But again, offering those alternative experiences and opportunities, right. we now as a parent too might not know, but we, we might not know what those are or like what step to take. And that's, we're providing that space for that. Um, sometimes, honestly, the, Rick, this is not easy work. It's been a sacrifice for our family to invest and engage with the gifted and grow as on so many levels. But it has been those familial testimonies and those parent phone calls or the hugs and the tears at the end of a show where they come up to you and say, just sometimes they just say thank you. Uh, or they'll get a text later like, this means so much. Right. Um, that keeps us going because there were a couple of days where just like, how do we sustain as leaders? Yeah. You know, it's just in our livelihood. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, this must be, we're on the, every time we were about to be like, all right, maybe we take a break. We get that call and that email or that text. It's like, all right, we're in this. At least for a little longer. Um, it's bigger than us. We it realize. is. It is. We're glad you're in the community, and we hope you can stay in the community. <laughs> and you're doing great work. You're creating leaders. You're, you're, you know, you're just creating. We would love to stay in the community. Thank you. That's a separate and, and, Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're glad you could take time out today too to talk to us because I know you know got to run and do other things okay. this uh, was our pleasure thank you but, uh, for having us right well, uh, hopefully this can help share your story and um, hopefully we can find ways to partner with you all in the future and we're mm -hmm. we're proud and thankful for what you do absolutely thank you. thank you thanks for being on the show thank you Rick. Well, that, that wraps up this episode of Garner Station podcast uh, from the town of Garner and um, you can look for this podcast on our YouTube channel the town of Garner's YouTube channel also if you prefer to listen to it, um, you know, go to wherever you find your podcasts and uh, listen and subscribe. Thanks. See you next time.